sonic at the speed of sound service at the speed of sound service at the speed of sound sonic and remember just because she likes the same bizarro crap Welcome back to another episode of Wife Watches. I'm the husband, Jason, and joining me as always, having just bitterly come to terms with visually comparing her expectations and her reality, it's my wife, Courtney. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's so good to have you back. (laughs) Happy to be here. We are going to be watching 500 Days of Summer. That's right. One of your favorite movies. One of my favorite movies. One of your favorite movies? It was Once Upon a Time. Normally, I try to investigate why you haven't seen the movie that Mm -hmm. we're watching. Sure. But we've both seen this movie. Thousands of times. Yeah. Yep. So I wanted to ask more, what is your relationship to this movie? And if you remember the first time you saw it. I do. You do? In fact, I do. Paint a picture. Okay. The year was 2009. Okay. I did it come out in the summer. It did. Okay. Yes. Uh, that would have been the summer I was going into my senior year of high school. So I was seventeen. Wow. I saw it late at night with my friend. In the theaters. Uh huh. Wow. Like other girls around this time, I just fell in love with Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> oh man. And I specifically remember the soundtrack because after coming out of that movie, I feel like everyone was like listening to Sweet Disposition. Over and over and over again. So I did that. That's what I went into like my senior year of high school and then college with. Did you cut your bangs? I did. Yep. I did cut my bangs. Yeah. I did. Not senior year, but right before I went into college. Okay, yeah. This movie came out in what I call my dead year. I was on a mission in 2009 and I left in 08 and I came back in 10. So all of 2009 is culturally gone for me. I came back in 2010 and just Justin Bieber was a person that everyone talked about. And I had no idea who he was or where he came oh, from. That's so weird. Similarly, I, I came back and everyone had those bangs. Every girl I knew. Did those come from her or was that just a trend that was happening? I think she was largely responsible. Wow. Really? Yeah, yeah totally. It was like, it was a trend, but it was also just like, you wanted to be summer. It was that big of a deal? It was like, it was her, like, in that movie. It was also her, like, later on, well, no, or that same time, like, in, sh- like, she and him was, like, huge. Well, not huge, but, like, among a certain group of people. Oh, yeah. That's funny you bring up, like, a certain kind of people, because I feel like this movie caught me at, like, a very, the perfect age to be very impressed by this movie. I think I'll always really love it, but... Yeah, I feel the same way. It caught me at the time when... You're old enough to appreciate nuances in the storytelling and how it kind of uh, like subverts like rom-com genre. You know what I mean? Like kind of how it plays up on those expectations. Mm-hmm. But I was also like young enough and naive enough to still be thrilled by like the capital I ideas that were in the movie that seemed very like profound to me, but that are actually <laughs> yeah. pretty simple and in a lot of movies and books and literature. 
everyone has their first time being introduced to those ideas. And some of those were with this movie for me. Yes. I was thinking of some other movies that were like that. This didn't, wasn't with me, but a lot of people, I feel like, watched Fight Club in the late 90s and early 2000s. I've never seen Fight Club. Well, then you don't know the damages of materialism and how we're all just sheep <laughs> living in our Ikea world. Oh, Ikea. Oh, that also features in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that. My first Ikea trip was last year to buy this very table that we're podcasting on. Oh, was it? Uh-huh. My first trip to Ikea was around the same time that this movie came out. Oh, we my put gosh. Ikea in Draper. I, I remember the first time I saw this was about a year after it came out. And I was in a house with a bunch of people. They were putting it on. A lot of people in the room were like, had very like hot takes on how they felt about the movie. Do you probably remember this? (laughs) Yeah. And there was like two groups of people. One that were like, I don't want to watch this. This just makes me sad. And then the other group of people that would be like, oh, I hate people like this. This makes me so mad. I went to my very first day of (laughs) Did you ever take Connections? The class at Utah State for like freshmen. I was aware of it. Okay, I took Connections my first week. It was like the week before school started. Yeah. So it was my only class to like ease you into college. Yeah, and they give you like a book to read? Uh, sure. Isn't I don't there remember. like a Connections book? We had to do that at the Probably. bookstore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and this girl was like getting, we had to introduce ourselves, and this girl got up and um, she was like, anyway, like I like this and this and this, and my favorite movie is 500 Days of Summer. And I was like, my gosh that's my favorite movie i like thought it was like this very niche like like so stupid and i remember talking to her after and being like isn't that the best movie we bonded over it Where? we're not friends anymore oh. <laughs> uh this movie had a really big impact on me it's very influential uh-huh. in my life it was my go-to movie for when i wanted to wallow it'd be very sad i still have the poster framed it was one of my, my top movies my phone case is you know the graphic that shows the different days? I'm, ex- I'm explaining this for the listener, not sure. for your benefit. You know this. <laughs> you know how they have like the drawn trees and everything? It's like the background is like a sketch of a city with some trees. Mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. a corner of that that I... I found like a website that made customized iPhone cases and I cut it out and threw it on there. Well, okay. I've had some people like be weird about my phone case before. Like, ooh, you like that? Be like, what is that? Oh. I'll cut this, but it was... Yeah, I loved this movie so much. I bought a satchel because of how well Joseph Gordon-Levitt wears a satchel. (laughs) Casual listeners of the show won't know this, but it took several attempts over several months to get Courtney to go on a date with me. And her second time telling me no (laughs) over text message... Oh my god, you asked me out over text message. ...led me to watch this movie... I'm really depressed, so I'm going to have trouble sleeping, so I guess I'm just going to watch this movie on repeat until, I, <laughs> until I'm too exhausted and I'll just fall asleep, which I've done before. This was like my go-to, and I would just watch it on repeat. It wasn't just me? The last time was you. <laughs> the year is 2009. Barack Obama was inaugurated this year. It's his first year of his presidency. Hmm. The song of the summer that year, first half of the summer... Boom Boom Pow by Is the Black Eyed boom, Peas. Boom 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 Boom. You know what displaced that from the top of the charts in oh, August? What? Another Black Eyed Peas song, I Got a Feeling. I Got a Feeling. Oh man, that takes me back. Between those two songs, they were at number one for 26 weeks. Wow. That's half of the year. Other 2009 things. 
The Great Recession. Swine flu. Oh, gosh. I had a friend who got that. What? Yeah. She got swine flu. She survived. <laughs> Shout out to Kenzie Barney. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She did. She got swine flu. How long did she have swine flu? Like, maybe a couple weeks. She oh couldn't go gosh. to school. What? What do you think that did for her popularity? Anything? No. Blogs were a thing. I loved blogs. Yeah. Did you have a blog? I had a blog. In it still 2009? Exists. URL. This don't, is, don't. This is the URL. No, don't. I don't want people to see it. The header says writer, reader, overshare extraordinaire. <laughs> well, why did you bring up that you had this? I didn't think you were going to find it. I didn't tell you what it was. Oh, like, man. Like, right before I went to college. Oh, man. You even have, like, the fun type of formatting where... Like, it, where it, nothing is, like, capitalized. Yeah. No capital, no capitalizations at the first of your sentences. You've, like, spaced it out and formatted it so, like, the paragraphs have their own unique fun shapes. They're all... You've uploaded Polaroids <laughs> of Christmas foods. <laughs> Some other 2009 facts because we're running over time. Kanye West interrupted Taylor Swift during her during her VMA video. Jacob and Isabella were the top baby names of 2009. <laughs> this was the last year that Sony sold floppy disks. They were still selling floppy disks in 2009. It was the last year they sold 12 million floppy disks. I uh, and also my Google search listed new words that were submitted for the English language from 2009, including alt-right, anti-vaxxer, and subtweet. We still use those words today. I feel like just living through 2009, I couldn't forget it if I tried. Do you need to maybe put on some like yellow jeans, some like... <laughs> that was like no, some, that was later. Was it? Yeah, that was like 2012, 2013. Do you maybe need to put like... Some, uh, we weren't uh, wearing skinny jeans really yet. Do you maybe need to put a t-shirt or over another longer t-shirt? Yes, I do need to do that. What do you need to put on? Grow my sideburns out a little bit. Okay. Your low blank sideburns. Yeah. Shave my beard. Oh, totally. You wouldn't have... Maybe like a, a snap button up. Maybe some... That was kind of like plaid, but like a weird material and short sleeved. Uh-huh. You might wear a vest over it. A vest? Yeah. No, you know what I would wear over it? What? A track jacket. This might be a couple years later, but maybe throw on a puka shell necklace. Oh, 100%. See how I feel about that. Oh, and uh, like a Livestrong bracelet. <laughs> yeah. But mine would be like the like a joke one, like from The Office where you did like the rabies fun run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where you would wear like a white t-shirt and then I had this like bright red tank top that had these white cherries on it. It had these like thick straps and big bulky buttons that didn't serve a purpose that's what i was wearing what about like a billabong polo yes and some board shorts yes okay oh you know what else toms and then maybe we'd like go longboarding later you and i wouldn't but okay well it's 2009 we're gonna go watch 500 days of summer and then we'll start a new blog what were some blog tropes do you remember some oh my gosh i love blog culture so like, this, she's like a big influencer now. Her name's Naomi Davis. I was reading her blog in 2009 and she had these like Zoe D bangs. She lived in DC or New York. I can't remember at the time. She'd refer to just like her husband as, as husband. They were like into like Regina Spector and like <laughs> they were so quirky and cool. And her blog was called Rockstar Diaries and I wanted to be her so Badly. Let me ask you this. What? Did she ever spell out the word and or always use oh, an ampersand? Oh, always ampersands. Always. always ampersands. 
All right, fantastic. We're back. We watched the movie. It was so good. Courtney, to start off. Yeah. Did you like this movie? I love this movie. Okay, I love it too. Before we get too far into it, I kind of want to ask you up front, who do you sympathize with the most? Now or 10 years ago, 11 years ago? Uh, both. Having more experience under my belt at the ripe old age of 28 Ugh. versus 18, 17. I sympathize with Tom. You were on Summer's side more when you were younger? I was. Whoa. I think part of that was like, she was the girl. And I also like would get really annoyed when people would be like, she was really awful to him, blah, 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 blah. Because she did tell him up front kind of everything that was going on in her mind. And I just, I didn't have experience back then. <laughs> so now I do. I was always on his side. And initially, when I first watched it, I sympathized more with Tom uh-huh. and found him more relatable. And those goons that I watched it with the first time who were all like, oh, she sucks so much. Don't you hate girls like this? That's kind of how I felt when I first watched it. Yeah. And then over time, I actually sympathized a bit more with Summer. And I can go into why more, but it has something to do with what the director and Joseph Gordon-Levitt have said uh-huh. after, like, about the film. But actually, watching it tonight, I kind of went back in the other direction. I think they both made mistakes, but I think hers are worse. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't know. I thought my opinion would be very uh, contrary, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out I'm actually kind of closer to where I was before. Yeah. I mostly think the mistakes that she made were meaner, and his were just more like, you gotta stop talking to this girl. Yeah. But hers were kind of more manipulative. Well, was, yes. Even though she was upfront with him. She knew what she was doing. She was communicating clearly to him, but then her actions, I feel like, were very confusing. Yeah. And he was nothing but 100% genuine the whole time. I remember first seeing it and kind of never having seen a movie like this before that pulled so heavily from like another era. If that makes sense, like so much of it is like vintage, you know, like quirky and vintage. Yeah. Like that opening montage of them as kids that just like started this whole vintagey style and like with cameras and kind like of a, not a, a being love able... affair with with retro, yeah, um, yeah, like minimalist technology stuff like that. Exactly. Hmm. I didn't understand why they would have like weird like film from like the 60s and 70s like it it looked very like that grainy footage yeah i'd never seen anything like that before nothing that was like contemporary but like wanted to feel vintage if that makes sense yeah have you ever seen superman returns that's a lot how that movie is it's definitely set in like the mid-aughts when it came out but everything from like the style they're wearing and like the architecture of the buildings Mm-hmm. is very a th- like a throwback to the 40s. Okay. And it has like a even like not not sepia, but it's like there's a filter over the film that makes it feel very like Rockwellian 40s era. Okay. One of the co-writers of the film, his name's Scott Neustadter, I could be saying that wrong. He admitted that the film was based 75% on a real romance in his life. And that Summer was inspired by a girl he met as a student. He later showed the script to Summer's real life counterpart. And she said she related more to the Tom character. Do you think everyone thinks that they're a Tom? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Something else I really appreciated that I noticed early on in the movie that kind of played throughout the rest of the movie was not the soundtrack, but like any, like the actual score. It had this, this like haunting whistle or sometimes these like light piano keys. Mm -hmm. And it is 
so sad to me. It's so interesting watching these movies with new eyes. Summer's whole character is very... Everything about her is like something that a man would find interesting and beautiful. Like she exists... Which is, that's what the, the story is like, you're, you're basically, you're viewing this from like Tom's eyes, right? I don't know, it was just interesting watching that now, because there's not much to her. There was nothing about her that you really found out, except, like, you, you've, you learned about her through different relationships, or through different eyes of different men. Well, so, the director kind of talked about that. Mark Webb wrote that uh, her character is based on a stock character type says, yes, Summer is an immature view of a woman. She's Tom's view of a woman. He doesn't see her complexity, and the consequence for him is heartbreak. In Tom's eyes, Summer's perfection. But perfection has no depth. Summer's not a girl. She's a phase. Because there's just nothing, like, real about... That's not a real person. In 2009, 2010, when I was, like, this was, like, hugely on my mind, it was, like, I want to be like that. Which I thought, I think a lot of girls my same age kind of were the same way. It was, like, how can I be like that? I also kind of feel like... How can I be more interesting and, like, quirkier and, like, Aloof. There's, like, an aloofness to her, too, when Mackenzie, when they're at the bar, and he's like... Me thinks the lady doth protest too much. The lady dothn't. I'm sure so many people in theaters are just like, she's got such a fun way about her. Yeah. And when she's like, well, I was in a cafe and I was reading Dorian Gray. (laughs) I thought about that too. It's like, shut up, Dorian Gray. (laughs) Just reading the picture of Dorian Gray in a cafe. And that to me is like, it's Tom in this instance, like what he finds interesting. That's kind of where, when I developed this attitude of like, oh, you know what? Summer's like, like a vessel or like an empty shell that like Tom is putting off his emotions on. That comes like directly from like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like an interview that he did. He said, I would encourage anyone who has a crush on my character to watch it again and examine how selfish he is. He develops a mildly delusional obsession over a girl onto whom he projects all of these fantasies. He thinks she'll give his life meaning because he doesn't care about much else going on in his life. A lot of boys and girls think their lives will have meaning if they find a partner who wants nothing else in life but them. That's not healthy. That's falling in love with the idea of a person, not the actual person. I think in the way the movie presents it, he's very much the victim. But I also kind of think that Tom might be an unreliable and biased narrator. Yeah. Because everyone that is talking to him about the relationship is pretty level-headed about it. Even when he explains, when he goes on that blind date with the redhead, Uh and he explains everything to her, and she's just kind of like, yeah, it sounds pretty cut and dry to me. Yeah. And his little sister basically says the same thing, and his friends are trying to be like that too. That's why I'm, I'm confused about how much I'm supposed to believe what I'm seeing on screen if it really is like all of these things and she's being so confusing and so many mixed signals to him or if that's just kind of his own perception of how he's reading into her actions. I think it's probably a little bit of both, but like how many times have you been in an, like have you had an experience where you're like this person's saying one thing and then doing another thing? So yeah. many times. So, like, that's where, sure, I, I get that he's selfish and he's, like... Like, I wonder if there's a version of this movie from Summer's perspective where yeah. it's completely different. You know how when you're, like, flirting with someone and you accidentally say something that sounds kind of dumb and you're just... You're, yeah, yeah. They're talking at work and she's like, Well, you're a perfectly adequate grading card writer. Thank you. That was actually my nickname in college. They called me Perfectly Adequate Hanson. You used to call me Anal Girl. I was very neat. And 
And then she just like kind of walks away and it's, or when he's at the rooftop party, he's being very self-deprecating about his job. What made you go from one to the other? I guess I just figured, why make something disposable like a building when you can make something that lasts forever, like a greeting card? Right after it like turns to her and she like gives she like a sympathetic smile, it. like yeah, like yeah. oh there he goes again, like that feeling too, where you're just like I feel very uncomfortable here, so I'm gonna be self-deprecating, particularly when you're like uncomfortable in like a situation in front of someone you we, want to look better, like you're, you're trying just, to impress them. Yes. Yeah. They have sex, and then there's a musical number after celebrating. Crazy. That part is great. Yeah, I absolutely love that part. It is so good. There were so many things like that when I first saw it, when you're just like, is this movie the cleverest movie I've ever seen? <laughs> yeah. And I still really love it. I'm not saying that to like bash on it at all. Yeah. Or say that like with age, I look down on it at all. I still think it's just so charming. And that was one of like the parts I always just think is so well made. Yeah. Um, me too. As I was watching it, I could just feel so many girls in college with me in 2009 going... What? This is crazy. There's a bird that is so random. <laughs> you hate so random. I do. What was your mileage like with his little sister? Honestly, it didn't bug me. <sighs> it bug you? You I don't like precocious children. The shtick just got a little bit old. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say something about Summer's apartment. Do it. I remember seeing it for the first time thinking, this is a beautiful place. <laughs> I want my college dorm to look exactly like this. And you know what? It didn't. Her like apartment was like, there were like books and then there was like a bowler hat with an apple on top. <laughs> just like all this dumb shit lying around. Like it just was so different than like, if you walk into a character's house in a movie today, a, a girl, her apartment looks so different. Did you have an Audrey Hepburn poster? Yeah, of course I did. <laughs> was it the one of her holding the cigarette it was her breakfast and tiffany so probably was there a quote no uh, did you have a cork board um i did have a cork board bunch of printed out photos i printed out hundreds of black and white pictures okay and i put them on my wall so it was just a wall of like black and white pictures okay behind my bed that's what i had in college oh. and then like a year after that i would get like kitschy little things from di sure and like line them up in a row. Did you have did you have ever like a flimsy little like curtain thing hanging across one corner of your room? No, I never had that. Hmm. Um, I did cut out tiny little triangles though in 2012, <laughs> 2011, and I put them like like what? Yeah, I'll show you a picture. I put them like all along the top, so it was like bunting, like flags, like in my in one of my bedrooms in college. What color were they? They were like all sorts of colors. <laughs> out i cut like individual gosh it was so weird i just wanted to be quirky like i just that's what i wanted we in 2011 did. 2012 do you know i actually didn't really put much of an effort into decorating any kind of room i had in that's college that's shocking to me yeah i actually thought tom's apartment was really awesome oh yeah that was cool wouldn't that just how many man can you imagine how many people watching that movie saw his apartment with his bedroom and like the chalkboard oh i was gonna him? say chalk walls were huge oh. people would just paint walls of chalk Absolutely. like chalkboard yeah so since this movie was pg-13 it was allowed one f-word and mm -hmm. i always like to rate the f-word usage in any pg-13 about was it a good usage of the f-word lately your work performance has been a little off i'm not following Okay, um, here's something 
that you wrote last week. Roses are red, violets are blue, you whore. Do you think this was an effective usage? I do. Yeah. It doesn't feel gratuitous. Would you love to work for Clark, Greg? I actually would. That job is a breeze. He just had to write 20 greeting cards at the end of the week. Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. That's like two lines of text. I know. And the other guy's like, I, I don't know any other ways to say congratulations. Like, I, that was his big job that week. Isn't it weird that, like, those aspects of this movie jumped out to me a lot more? Well, and at one point, they're, like, talking to each other, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he's, like, typing and also still having a conversation, and I was thinking, like, what could you possibly be working on that you couldn't give your full attention well, to your his, friend right now? His two, his two lines of text. That's what I'm saying, like, you're not that, you can't be that busy. <laughs> what was Summer's job? She was, like, his assistant. I know, but, like... What was she assisting? I don't know. She sat over at like the main desk and talked to random people. We never really saw it, except they also used the printer, which also seems like an outdated thing. Yeah. Courtney and I worked at the same place for a little bit, and never once did we make out at our workplace. No, but now I wish that we would have. We could still make out there. Yeah, I guess we it could. It just would feel a little different. It would feel well, people would be less like, exciting. why are you here to you since you don't work there anymore? <laughs> Tom makes summer a mix. Did you catch that? Uh -huh. She clearly didn't listen to it. Uh -huh. But do you remember making people mixes? Yeah. What is the do people do people make Spotify playlists for each other now? Is that the equivalent you now? You and I have made playlists, not like for each other. That's what I'm saying. Like, is that what people would do now? Do you think, or is no, that just I think not a that's thing? That's just not a, really a thing anymore. That's too bad because that was really fun. Yeah. It's also a bummer because what was fun about having like a CD having a limited like I only got twenty tracks mm -hmm. I gotta make this count they each gotta mean something subtle. Wow, how would you listen to a CD if somebody gave you a CD? My car has a CD player. Something I loved about this movie it was told non-linearly, right? Which I've always loved, and it was honestly kind of what I kind of goes back to what I was saying about how a lot of things in this movie were very new to me about how you could make a movie and tell a story. I always appreciate it. The con that they the way they're able to contrast his attitudes and like events back to back using this nonlinear narrative yeah. is just fantastic. When he's going to the wedding and he sees Summer. It shows his face as he's walking past her. The camera looks to her and then back at him and his expression is just wide-eyed panic. That feeling of just like... Oh. So How many good. times have you felt that way? So I actually made a little list of things in that in the movie, just like little stray things where I thought everyone can relate to this. Mm -hmm. Are you all right? You ready? Yeah. When he turns on the Smiths at his desktop computer, really loud, hoping <laughs> yeah. that it will catch her attention, just trying in vain anything you can to like look like you're casually doing something but catching someone's attention. Mm -hmm. I did that with you a lot when we worked <laughs> together. When I would go upstairs talk to Matt Newman about stuff. I had nothing really new to talk to Did him about. Did you have nothing really to be up there for? Oh, I mean, I sometimes would be like, hey, when's that new season of Arrested Development coming out? I would just, anything I could just to like try to like, I would kind of talk a bit louder than I needed to. <laughs> so that I would hear it? Yeah, it never worked. Oh. Well, paid off, I guess. That, like, that's fantastic. That, yeah, so that feeling of running into your ex. Oh and being gosh. like, and on either side, honestly, I mean, of the breakup where you run into someone that you dumped or someone that dumped you, it's both awkward. Mm -hmm. um, the other ones were the filler date. Same thing where you're on a date with someone and you're just thinking, ah, this isn't the person and I'm just kind of wasting. I'm just kind of like killing a night. 
I think I was always the other person who was like interested in someone, and then we'd go on a date, and they would just be like, "Oh, she was the love of my life." And you I'd had, just be like, you oh had people my talk to you about someone. Yes. What? All the time. You're kidding. And it wasn't me. someone who'd like. Well, it was like always somebody that I'd like made out with a bunch of times. Who like we decided to be friends because I was just I was friends with people after I liked them because they wanted to be friends with me and I just was like okay. So then we'd be friends. There would be like this just like little spark of hope. This sounds pathetic, but it's true. This is how my life was for a long time. Where I would just go out with these people like we'd go to dinner as friends and I'd be like, well, maybe this time this person will see something and like want to date me or what, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then they'd just be like, went on a date with this girl and I know it's like... I'm so in love with it. Like, that kind of thing. Oh, my gosh. I know. Because I've been on dates where I definitely could read into how they were acting and being like, they're done with this date. You know what I mean? Where it's like... (laughs) Yeah. And then they would never talk to me again. That would kind of confirm it. Yeah. Okay, what you just said was the other one I'd written down. The other, like, very relatable thing that happens in this movie. Okay. Is, air quotes, reconnecting with an ex. Where oh. he meets up with her again and he's like, maybe this is it, you know? I know, I know that feeling. And you just, you get all your hopes up so high again. I, it sucks. And then, it and is... then nothing comes of it. Or you have like this, I would have like these kind of like big blow ups where I would be like, well, what about that time? And they'd be like, no, I've like always been honest with, like that kind of thing where you're just like, I'm such an idiot. Why did I think that? No, this, this movie taps this is why people like react so like viscerally to it uh-huh. is because it really taps into those key things where you're like, uh, that is the worst feeling. That's why it was my yeah. favorite wallow movie yeah. because it really just let me feel it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, may, and and what's nice about it is it makes you like realize that like all these feelings are really universal and everyone really goes through just these like the shittiest times like this. Yeah. You know what I mean, I don't really miss it, but like. There's so much growing that you do in those, like, times. You, like, really figure out what you want and who you are, kind of. And, like... Yeah. I think you... I don't know. It helps I, you grow. I think you miss out if you... Yeah. You, if you don't have, like, those moments. Yeah. But honestly, everyone... I don't know. Maybe there are people who don't just have... Maybe. They just were super lucky and never had problems like this. But, but like, I feel like is, it's so relatable. This is what I think of when I think of, like, oh, oh yeah, dating sucks. And I know people talk about this all the time. Still. Yeah. Okay. Expectation versus reality. Tom walked to her apartment, intoxicated by the promise of the evening. He believed that this time his expectations would align with reality. It could be one of my favorite scenes in a movie ever. Yeah, it's really good. It is fantastic. I almost started crying. It's very sad. So it is, I feel, expertly executed. I was really able to appreciate tonight the subtle use of editing. There's, at all times, two images happening. If it was edited poorly, it would just be kind of noise. Uh-huh. But he's timed he's timed it so your eye is always looking at the side that you need to at that moment. Yeah. And the audio is coordinated that way too where... So you have his, his expectation is he and Summer at, that, at the table, just the two of them talking. Mm-hmm. There's no audio. Mm-hmm. Whereas... So you can focus completely on the audio of the reality, which is him telling that that joke and she just dismissing it and nothing's going his way. Mm-hmm. Like the way that they go, they go back and forth so that you know. It's like he's directing you perfectly to be like, I want you to notice this now and I want you to notice this and how yeah. they're contrasting. But not in a way that's like beating you over the head with it. It is incredible. Yeah, it's really good. And 
such a great visual interpretation of something that happens all the time in your life. Yeah, I was going to say that. How many times have you had that exact experience? Oh my gosh. Since this movie happened before I was an actual adult, having adult experiences. Yeah. It kind of colored the way that I would go into experiences. So I would think like, okay, well, this is going to be different than what I think it's going to be. Absolutely. Every single time. There were so many parties and things I went to in college thinking like, huh, well, my reality will be very different. Like I used I used the language of that scene yeah. to be like, okay, well, I should not get set my expectations too high because mm-hmm. they could possibly be shattered. When they just cut the expectations right as it's turning over to summer and she's got the ring and it's heartbreaking and then he just runs out it's awful <laughs> i haven't had anything as dramatic as no. that happened yeah. but i have felt like something just gut punches you and you just gotta get out of there and you just yeah. bail and then it just ends perfectly with him walking to the street the freeze frame and then like the painting yeah and everything like washes out except for him it's probably one of my favorite scenes in all of film i absolutely love it i think it's such great visual storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. I love that scene. Well, maybe you should marry it. Maybe I will. Uh, director Mark Webb described the movie as more of a coming-of-age story as opposed to a rom-com, which I completely agree. Yeah. He said, It's about happiness and learning that you'll find it within yourself rather than in the big blue eyes of the girl in the cubicle down the hall. I wanted to make an, an unsentimental movie and an uncynical movie. It's not a big film. It's not about war or poverty. It's about 500 days in a young guy's relationship, but it's no less deserving of scrutiny. When your heart is first broken, it consumes you. And it's an emotion I wanted to make a movie about before I forgot how it felt. Can I also share another quote from Joseph Gordon-Levitt, JGL? Yeah. Do you ever call him that? To save time? All the time. JGL explained that he was drawn to the role of Tom because of his relatability of the character. He said, I've had my heart broken before. Truly, truly broken. But when I look back at me in my heartbroken phase, it's pretty hilarious because it felt so much more extreme than it really was. One of the things I love about 500 Days of Summer is that it doesn't make light of what we go through in romances, but it is honest about it and shows it for what it is, which is often profoundly funny. Yes, totally. So I was kind of dating someone. We'd like hung out, gone on dates. Then he was like going away for Christmas and it was my birthday and I went out with somebody who I was really good friends with, but also like off and on kind of. We went out to dinner and that guy that I had been like, oh yeah, hanging out with and like going on dates with. And I was like, oh, when he comes back, we'll start dating. He walked into the restaurant that we were at (laughs) and we were standing there and he like went to like he went to the host table to like see how long it was and I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, he's gonna think that we're dating, this guy that I'm sitting next to, I don't want him to think that. And then he came over, this guy, and he was like, Hey, what are you doing here? And I was like, Oh, it's just I'm here. I didn't even tell him it was my birthday. I just was like, Oh, I'm just here with my friend. Like my this is my friend. Like this I was is my platonic so, friend. Yeah, I was like so cousin. nervous and uncomfortable. Yeah. And then he was like, Oh, okay. And he was like very awkward about it. And he yeah. went back over to the host stand and he was he like did this motion to the host. I don't know how to describe this motion. She's swiping at her neck like kill like, it. Kill, kill it. it. Shut yeah. it down. And then he just walked out of the restaurant. What? Yeah. And I didn't see him till the end of January. <laughs> like <laughs> It was so uncomfortable. And I texted him. I was like, hey, that was really uncomfortable. And he basically, he said something so dumb like, oh, no sweat. 
<laughs> just like it was awful. It was like so funny. I had to like tell someone about it because oh, you have like those okay. experiences dating where you're like, oh, I'm having one of those moments. That's one of my stories. That's like that was one of the weirdest dating experiences that I've had. And like the t- the time that my high school boyfriend's parents came over to talk to my parents to break us up. <laughs> <laughs> Tom quits in, like, very dramatic fashion, right? Yeah. That scene is actually what I meant, too, when I was saying how. A pretty, like, simple thought, but packaged in a, what I thought was a profound way. This is lies. We're liars. Think about it. Why do people buy these things? It's not because they want to say how they feel. People buy cards because they can't say how they feel or they're afraid to. We provide the service that lets them off the hook. It's, It's these cards. The movies and the pop songs, they're to blame for our lies. And the heartache, everything. And we're responsible. I'm responsible. I think we do a bad thing here. People should be able to say how they feel. How they really feel, not, you know, some words that some strangers put in their mouths. Words like love. That don't mean anything. Sorry, I'm sorry. I, uh, I quit. There's enough bullshit in the world without my help. That idea of saying like, oh, the things that we do and the structures that we built are kind of fake a little bit and they get in the way of real communication and like real human connection. Mm -hmm. That was a very profound idea to like 21 year old me. Like how much of my own perception of what relationships should be come from community and the office and are built from like pop culture and less of like actual human connection. Yeah. But you know, it's that's fine. Even more I, I, lo- like... I love The Office and people can connect over those things, which is kind of why I'm like, that's fine that pop culture has played such a huge, uh, has such a big impact on how we like relate to each other. Yeah. Because I think that that's, that's just having a shared interest. And some of my, some of my best bonds and like funniest memories are like bonding and like connecting with people over like hilarious things in movies and TV. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just like kind of, it creates a weird bond that I can't really explain when you both it. like the same thing. So I'm not too bothered by it, but I remember being like, take a bong hit, like that's gonna, <laughs> man, that's gonna, like, you're gonna be chewing that over in the old dome for the Do next you know, 10 days. One of the things with this movie that was like that for me was the end conversation that Summer and Tom have. Very, very impactful. <laughs> Probably because I did go through so many experiences that were like that. Like when she's like, and I just kept thinking, Tom was right. No. <laughs> yeah, I did. It just wasn't me that you were right about. I thought that over and over and over again in different ways. Two other parts from that scene that kind of stick out to me. One, when he's like, Wedding and dancing? Well, he hadn't asked me yet. But he was in your life. Yeah. So why'd you dance with me? Because I wanted to. Yeah. That's, that's she bullshit. Sucks. Yeah. That's, she that sucks. was actually the moment when I was rewatching it this time where I was like, Oh, come on, like, come on. And he Ma- even says he's like, You just do what you want, don't you? And then the other thought I had was when, when she's, when he's like, I mean, it doesn't make sense. It just happened. Right, but that's what I don't understand. What just happened? I just, I just woke up one day and I knew. Knew what? What I was never sure of with you. 
I actually almost cried in that part too because it just, that is so, it's the means not even the right word. It's just so hurtful and he just looks away because he can't even look at her in the face. Yeah. It's such a well acted and well written and like executed scene that it just, man, it just cuts you. But like on the- Because you know that you were that person for someone where you're like, someone was just never sure about me and they just moved on and found someone better. But then you, then you like take solace to know that you can find that about other people. Yeah. I do know what you mean, but I also, like, I think that's very poignant idea. There are so many times where I, like, I mean, my situations were always different. I feel like I was always getting broken up. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, like, thinking about, like, where I'm at now. Like, other people, it was, like, everything was so hard. All the, I start crying. <laughs> <laughs> everything was so hard. I was always fighting against, like, everything to like try to get this person to like feel the same way about me that I felt about them or just like I don't know like be on the same page with me religiously or like on different or I was like compromising my own interests to be interested in architecture I didn't care about like stuff like that or even like I went I feel like I had so many relationships or like forced relationships yeah where I felt like Tom where I just projected what I wanted onto someone and mm-hmm. I feel like the other person was wiser and more mature and could clearly see like, we are not compatible or the or right for each other. And it was so frustrating for me because I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, this would be perfect. But now like I realize, like it's easier now to look back to and be like, oh no, I was just putting all the things I wanted to see out of that person onto that person and less of like who they really were. Yeah. That... Something but you, is... you also had experiences where you dated, you kind of dated girls who were like, oh, I want this, I want this, I want this. And you were like, you don't. You know Oh, what? yeah. You had those experiences too where you were like, I promise there's... It's like... I know. And I, I wish I could just like say it like, be like, believe me, you, in two years you'll look back and be like, I'm so glad I wasn't with that piece of shit. Like, <laughs> be like, I promise you don't want to marry me. <laughs> Which I think is important too. That's that's a, that's sort of what Summer's doing too. Yeah, and well, she's saying it and being very truthful and honest in like a really direct way. I don't know. I love that that whole sequence is fantastic. Yeah, I love that too. There's actually a fan theory that that conversation between Tom and Summer on the bench is all imagined by Tom and that it didn't really happen. Even Joseph Gordon-Levin has said that he believes that scene is more Tom coming to an inner peace within himself than actual reality. What do you think about that? So I actually was watching that with that in mind. I think that that... Because when I was watching it, I was thinking, this is the conversation I wish I could have with so many people. Knowing what I know now about like everything that they've said to me, I wish I could sit down with each and, each and every one of them and be like, no, yeah, you're right. I didn't want you. You know, like yeah. that kind of thing. And they could be like, yeah, see, I well, told you. Well, and even that she was there at the park at the same time yeah. as he was after she's married. Yeah. Well, and that even... even I feel like that adds more weight to when he's like, why did you do that? And she was like, I wanted to. Because sometimes you just, you'll never have the answer of why someone did something they did. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I actually I like think, it that way. I think it kind of holds up pretty well. Yeah. Do it's you? such a great ending. Yeah. Well, what do you think about Autumn? Um, <laughs> she's fine. I feel like she might be a little miscast. I used to think that she was not nearly as interesting as Summer was. But now that 10 years plus has lapsed, yeah. now I'm less like, oh, Summer was kind of like a bit of a cliche. I think it's more representative of him just being like, I wish that, I'm moving on. I know. And like life continues on and I, you can't just I don't be like, obsessed with someone. I don't like hate that part. I don't hate that she's like there. But I just kind of wish it didn't. 
I wish he just kind of like, I don't know. And again, this is probably says a lot more. This probably says a lot more about where I'm at in 2020, where like every movie that I've seen in the last few years has been like, you don't need to end up with anyone. That's not really the point of like getting over someone or like. Oh, sure. And they people just like so often end up alone, which just didn't happen in rom-coms a lot back then. So I just like looking at it now, I'm like, oh, I wish he didn't like meet her. I wish he had just gotten a job. I do like the part that they talk the narrators like. If Tom had learned anything, it was that you can't ascribe great cosmic significance to a simple earthly event. Coincidence. That's all anything ever is. Tom had finally learned there are no miracles. There's no such thing as fate. Nothing is meant to be. He knew. He was sure of it now. Tom was... Sorry, um, I just left, uh, can I... One second. He was pretty sure. That, I think that's more important than him, like, meeting another girl. And yeah. just, like, as if he just has this need to be loved and that yeah. needs to be filled by someone. I think it's more like he had this... He had an idea of what love was, and then that was broken by Summer, and then he had a new epiphany toward the end of the movie. It's like, you know, it's all bullshit. And then he, it was kind of changed again, something more nuanced in the middle. Yeah. Which is like, you know what? Maybe sometimes things can, like, be impactful, and sometimes sometimes something randomly that could happen might end up changing my life, and I should, like, take a chance on some of that. Yeah. So, I actually, I feel like it's fitting with what his arc should have been, and less of, like, oh, he's finally... Oh, thank goodness. He won't be single. And more, yeah. And more like, oh, I think he's, like... Moving on. I also just, her name being Autumn is just... You know, you know why I like that? Why? It reminds me of older screenplays that ha that end with like a cute little line. It just ties it up nicely in a little bow. Underscored by him looking right at the camera. I actually, yeah, I I actually do that. like that where it's like, we're being cute and we're winking at you. Her name's Summer. That's, do, you, do you get it though? <laughs> it sounds like you don't get it. Because if I were in a theater watching it today, you know what we'd hear right after that? Oh, because her name's Summer. <laughs> Every... That's Stan Lee right there. Do you see Stan Lee? <laughs> oh, well, in the other Stephen King book, they're in Derry. <laughs> Did I do that right? I haven't seen the It movies. <laughs> but I know they're connected. I've read enough about them, okay? Okay. Great movie. It was, we love it. Uh, I loved watching it now. It a was, decade later. It was really fun. Almost. Especially considering the last time I watched it was after you had told me, no, we couldn't go on a date. Is that the third time you brought that up? Do you want some pieces of trivia? Yeah. It was filmed completely in LA. Earlier scripts had the film set in San Francisco. No. Too cheesy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they agreed with you, I guess. Yeah. I like when things are set in LA. It just seems like more realistic. <laughs> um, the director, Mark Webb, this was his first feature film. He had directed some, commer not commercials, music videos, which I feel like you can kind of tell. Visual storytelling he's really good at, especially with like when incorporating music into it. Yeah. Do you know he directed after this? What? The two Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. Oh, I love those. I know you don't love them as much, but... They're fine. Well, so I feel like this is also... This is a trend of recent Hollywood the last 10, 15 years where a big studio will like cherry pick a very successful indie director, like hot off like a really successful indie movie and just drop them into the big studio machine. And I think the idea is that they're new to like filmmaking. We can kind of like push them around a little bit. And then they kind of get churned out and just like burnt out. It's happened with a ton of Marvel and superhero movies and like some Star Wars movies. So does he not do movies anymore? 
not really. I think the Amazing Spider-Man, like that experience doing those two films, kind of like <gasps> broke him a little bit. He hasn't. Oh. I haven't really seen much of what he's done since. I, I'm sure he's still working. I haven't looked it up to be fair, but like, because okay. most times you kind of graduate to it. Like Christopher Nolan did that. Like Memento, mm-hmm. indie film, big hit. Then he had like a mid-level one with Insomnia, which we watched, mm-hmm. and then he went to like the big like big budget like you kind of build your way up into it but like some of these people get dropped into there and they're like way in over their heads interesting it's a terrible trend but you can tell that he's the one that directed those two spider-man movies because the scenes that are the most successful and really work are the character moments between andrew garfield and emma stone like if you could just cherry pick all of the character beats from those movies and just watch that it'd be a really entertaining like romantic comedy we talked about the soundtrack a little bit great soundtrack she's got you high and you don't even know yet oh that reminds me of college i know me too but would you say this was the last great indie movie soundtrack an indie movie that had a really good soundtrack was juno that's a great soundtrack. Oh, yeah. But that was before this. A, one year before. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of one really since that's been like, man, what a knockout soundtrack. No, I can't either. Oh. My hat's off to you, 500 Days. So this movie was a pretty big hit. It debuted at Sundance in 2009. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Received a standing ovation. I read about this sometimes. Movies just getting standing ovations at Sundance. Do you think that's just because people are just so like psyched to be at a film festival? They had a sip of the Kool-Aid. They're like, movies. Don't we love... Movies. Sorry, no one calls it movies there. It's films. Don't we love films? Fox Searchlight picked it up right away. Did you know that now that Disney's bought 20th Century Fox and Fox Searchlights, they're removing Fox from the title of both? No. So now it's just... 20th century studios and just yeah 20th century searchlight maybe they like released the new logos for them it's kind of weird oh interesting yeah yeah so this is technically a disney movie (laughs) yeah these characters could show up in the next avengers movie (laughs) it was a successful sleeper hit budget was seven and a half million dollars it made 60 million worldwide whoa very successful uh received very favorable reviews it has 85 percent on rotten tomatoes Two particular reviews, I really liked how they worded it. Roger Ebert gave it four stars out of four. He described the film as a delightful comedy alive with invention, adding that here is a rare movie that begins by telling us how it will end and is about how the hero has no idea why. Sometimes he really nails it with his reviews. Sometimes his reviews are insanely wrong. Chris Tukia at the Daily Mail was also impressed, described the film as delightful and endearing. He wrote that, For the young, this is a worthwhile cautionary tale. If you're more mature vintage, it will make you remember how it felt to be naive, energized by first love, and mortified when that certain someone turned out not to love you nearly as much as you would have liked. Don't you feel like we were the perfect age for this movie? 100%. If we'd been five years younger, five years... Well, five years older might have still worked. But you know what I mean? Like Late teens, early 20s, going into college. Just entering that relationship. You're figuring relationships out. Who knows how how much of my dating life and my choices in relationships were colored by... Probably so many of them. How I viewed this movie. Yeah, I know. Favorite part? Expectation versus reality. It's gotta be that. It's such a great idea. How come no one thought of it yet? I don't know. I also love the Ikea part. That is really good too. It's great. It's very charming. Um, did you have a least favorite part? Oh, I hate it. I When Summer comes back after they have the fight where she's like, well, they have the fight where she's like, you were totally uncool back there. Get out of here. This is what I mean. It, it's like she's just such a shallow, like she gets so mad at him and doesn't take any responsibility for it. She goes to his house in the middle of the night in the pouring oh, rain. Oh my gosh. And he expresses why he was so 
why that upset him and why he, you know, why he was upset. You know, I just, I need some consistency. I need to know that you're not going to wake up in the morning and feel differently. I can't give you that. Nobody can. And then they just, like, spend all night together. See, that's the thing. That's a fair thing for her to say, but then she kisses him. I know. That's that was another. She doesn't like leave. That was another moment when I was watching it where I was like, oh. Yeah, this? that's my least I was favorite like, part. Okay, like, come on, yeah. what are you doing? Do you have a least favorite part? Maybe some of the stuff with the little sister. Okay. okay. All altogether, though, not a lot of things to dislike about this movie. As no. far as I'm concerned, I love this movie. Mm -hmm. Might still be in my top five. We'll see. Speaking of top fives, Courtney. <laughs> oh gosh. As this, this is the month here. of love, and we are wrapping up this month of love, what has to happen to qualify as romantic comedy? Do they have to end up in the end? I think they do. I kind of do too. There's a difference between having a very romantic movie. Like I wouldn't say An Affair to Remember is a romantic comedy, even though there's a comedic True. elements. So no, I, w I wouldn't say About Time is a romantic comedy. No, that's more of a... Rom-drom. I think you have to follow at least a couple of the main rom-com cliches. Okay. Some type of a meet-cute. Uh-huh. Some kind of misunderstanding leading into the third act. Okay. okay. And then let's say they do have to end up together. So yeah, so we have cobbled together our top five romantic comedies. And to be clear, these are our favorite. Not necessarily what we view as the best because I don't. I'm, it would be a different list for me, honestly. Do you have any honorable mentions? I do. I do. Let's throw those out first. Okay. Fifty First Dates is okay. an honorable mention. All right. Runaway Bride. All right. The Proposal. Okay. And my last honorable mention, which I would actually put in my best Here we list, go. Yep. especially of the last decade, The Big Sick. Oh, okay. That is one of the only romantic comedies that came out of the last decade. That's true. We've talked about this a little bit. That, I, that movie's so good. Do you think the romantic comedy has a bit of a... Do you think it's gotten new life because of The Big Sick and Crazy Rich Asians? Yes. The formula is a little different. Not okay. necessarily with the big sick, but with crazy rich Asians. I don't know. There's a meet cute. So if we're just going based off what we, the three criteria. There's no criteria, meet cute in. There's kind of a meet cute. They like. Crazy rich Asians? It doesn't have to be like an accidental like bump in like meet cute, but like there has to be a way they meet where they're like infatuated with each other. That doesn't happen in crazy rich Asians. How do they meet? I don't know. They don't really talk about it. They just sort of already met? Uh-huh. He walks into her classroom and she's teaching a statistics class and then they go to they go to like a cafe and he's like, come to Singapore with me. My cousin uh, or my friend's getting married. I think that counts. Okay. And then there's, <laughs> that's a cute, that's a meet cute. No, not really. Uh, listeners weigh in. Well, then there's a disagreement or a misunderstanding that leading into the third act or the climax where he has to go onto the plane and go get her. But I... it's not really. It's that she loves him so much that she's willing to basically let his mom win. It's like a cultural... But I'm saying it has to be some kind of disagreement or misunderstanding that's getting in the way of their love and them being together. Okay. I yeah. have two I have two honorable mentions. Okay, hit me. Music and lyrics. You do love that movie. I do. It's so good. It's so good. Okay, and then the other one I had on my honorable mentions is They Came Together, which, sure. while a parody of romantic comedies, still follows the formula and is genuinely one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Yeah. All right, your number five. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Whoa, okay. I love that movie. She I could that. watch it over and over and over again. And you know what? Never seen it. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. Oh, I think you would like that one because the 
premise is very clever. Yeah, I. You know what? I think I probably would. Yeah, it's a very. I think it's a pretty smart movie. Okay, I like the leads. My number five is Sleeping with Other People. That's why I didn't really react when you brought it up. Sure. I love that movie. It is so charming, so clever. It's just really, really good. That's a great movie. Number four. My number four is Crazy Stupid Love. Another one of those movies I could watch over and over again. Oh, that's funny. Who's in that movie? The Goose. The Goose. (laughs) Ryan Gosling. Name a man more deserving of the Renaissance title. Uh, You can't find one. You can't find Uh, one. Good luck looking. Yeah. Uh, Look high and low. You know what you'll find? Honk. It's the Goose. (laughs) My number four is Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I've only seen half of that because I didn't really love it. It's so good. I could, li- I could probably watch Look, it Look, if you like just go with it, I feel like it's got a, a similar atmosphere. Kristen Bell's in that, right? Yeah. She's Sarah Marshall. Yes. And Jason Siegel. Yes. I have so many honorable mentions. Well, we're past that part. Sorry. Oh, man. My number three, Notting Hill. Oh, of course. I love that movie. There's, It's charming. It's smart. It, Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts. Oh, my gosh. Oh the the my prime gosh. of their careers, honestly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) My number three. This is where I feel like we probably will overlap a little bit. Anyway, my number three, You've Got Mail. Okay. I took my puppy. I had that on the list. That was... What? It's not... You, it's not in your top five at all? I I switched it. For what? Switched it for Notting Hill. I put, But Notting Hill wasn't number one. Okay, I know. Wait. I know. All right. Well, let's take this time it's, to talk about it because this is the only time we'll get to talk about it because it's not on your list. <laughs> well, it's, it's weird because it's like my favorite movie, but it's not like... It, it doesn't feel... I would love to see the mental gymnastics you're about to justify... It doesn't feel the same way that these other movies feel and I don't know why. It feels more important to me. It's like, I can't just call it a rom-com. It is my favorite movie. Look, Lord of the Rings is my favorite movie, but it's still... I know. If someone's like, top five fantasy movies... It doesn't really make sense, but it's how I feel. It felt too important for this list, so I took it off. My number two is My Best Friend's Wedding. So good. So relatable. I listened to The Rewatchables, did a My Best Friend's Wedding episode. She doesn't end up with the guy, which is great. I love that. I yeah. truly like that's fantastic. Romantic comedies in the '90s should have probably been a bit more manhandled by studios to like conform to the stereotype, and this I feel like bucked a lot of it. And it's honestly pretty impressive, giving it's like the mid, like it's '97 that it came out. So is it a rom com? They don't end up together. Ooh, that was a stipulation we made. Well, you could argue that the deserving person should have been Cameron Diaz. True. Because they're the ones that technically have a... But she's not the protagonist. A more recent meet cute. So is it just people have to end up together or is it the protagonist has to end up with the person they're pursuing? Yes. Because she is actually like the antagonist trying to split them up. I know. Who in a different movie they would be trying to overcome. So So she's an obstacle. So yes. It doesn't necessarily have to be the protagonist. It just has to be somebody. Yeah. We're changing the rules. <laughs> We're playing fast and loose over here. <laughs> we really are. <laughs> All right, what's your number And you two? know what? It honestly had uh, one of the most... It still had the stereotypical gay best friend uh-huh. who doesn't seem to have much of a life outside of like helping the main character like through her own problems. Yeah. But for the time... But he does have his own life over oh, and over true. again. They, like... Is that like the book? 
he's yeah, like, he's, he's like, at, like the book reading, and uh-huh. he's just kind of like, and every, that's true. His he's, he's not like at dinner parties. Well, he's not like necessarily obsessed with what her problem is, because every time she calls him, he's just like, stop it, just. Yeah, just figure it what out. are you doing? And then he's like, "All right, I'll go help you out. Less because of your problem, and less that I'm like a prop, and more like you're my good friend." Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's like a very. He's not just a caricature. He's like a, an actual, fully formed character. Absolutely, and I feel like that is honestly pretty rare in the late nineties. Yeah. What's your number two? Sleepless in Seattle. Wow. I love that movie. It was so yeah, good. That's good. How many times have I said fantastic? Well, it's because we're talking about good movies. And you know what? You run out of adjectives. Do you want to go into it or do you feel like we covered it all in the last episode? If you really want to know our thoughts, there's, (laughs) we talked about it. At length. Yeah. Ad nauseum. My number one. Should we say it at the same time? Yeah. One, One, two, two, three. three. When When Harry Harry Met Sally. Sally. I knew you were going to pick that. It's so good. It's so good. There aren't enough words. Drop what you're doing right now. Go watch that movie. Yeah. It's on, it's streaming somewhere, I know that. I think it's on Hulu right now. It's Meg Ryan at her best, I'd argue. Uh-huh. Billy Crystal is just... Charming He's so great. I love it. We love so it. good. Well, should we wrap it up? I wanted to give a couple shout-outs. Okay. Because we didn't really do this last episode. Oh, okay. So I have a couple people I want to shout-out. We've been getting some really, really great feedback. It's been very enjoyable for us. All right, first I want to send a little thank you out to Brad T. over in Las Vegas. Brad has given us some great feedback from listening to our Star Wars episodes. He said that our podcast got he and his wife to watch all of the Star Wars movies in one weekend and even convinced him to watch The Last Jedi, which he had avoided because he, quote, heard it was garbage. <laughs> and he concluded that he loved it. And then we just texted about the things that we liked about it. He also suggested that we do another series like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. Uh-huh. And I told him that we do kind of have those scheduled, not for a while, but yeah. those are on the docket at some point. Those obviously would be really good ones to watch serialized like this in a podcast. But heard you loud and clear, Brad. Thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, another shout out to Kelson E. He also provided great feedback on our earlier episodes of the podcast, particularly questioned our sound quality and helped, <laughs> helped point out things I can tweak and edit. So thanks for your constructive feedback, Kelson. Um, which is indeed something I really want to research and invest in is higher quality microphones. Coming at ya. Yeah. If we get more reviews. And yeah. Like, if, if people just like rate and review us a little bit more, maybe it'll start sounding better. Who yeah, knows? We can get those sonic bucks coming in. Yeah. <laughs> All right. A couple more shout outs. Shout out to Thomas M, who is a follower from Twitter. One of our only followers on Twitter who neither of us have met in person. He suggested some movies for us to watch. Most of them are anime. A one that really actually caught my eye was Pokemon, the first movie, because that was a very influential movie for 10-year-old Jason, who obsessed over Pokemon. Okay, I've been into it. you have, would you say, zero knowledge of zero Pokemon? Zero knowledge. So that would actually, that actually might be like a really fun little thought experiment to see if you connected at all, if or maybe if you were like, I could see how like a 10-year-old kid in the late 90s would like this, or if you mm-hmm. were like, I hate everything about this. <laughs> okay, well. So thank you for your email and your suggestions, Thomas. Thank you for reaching out. And thank you for listening. Uh, Another shout out to Emma W., a friend and hopefully future guest of the podcast. (laughs) Her very short email just had two movie suggestions. One was the Bad Boys franchise. And two was Fiddler on the Roof. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, come on. We'll do... We'll do... Oh, uh, last but not least, our final shout out goes to Elliot M 
friend and hopefully future guest of the show. This is the email that he sent us. Hello, Wife Watches Pod. Longtime listener, first time caller. I am curious about the upcoming slate of movies you have scheduled for your show and where you might be seeking to expand. My girlfriend has never seen a film noir, at least to my knowledge, because of my love of film noir. She's heard of it and knows of some things, but has yet to dive in. I thought it would be fun to do a couples show where girlfriend slash wife watch something like Double Indemnity or Out of the Past or something like that, and then we discuss. Let me know if you're interested in this proposition. My girlfriend and I are, of course, open to viewing other films. Well, I can say officially on air that we are very interested in doing this. We are, and we'd also like to congratulate Elliot and his former girlfriend, <gasps> now fiancé, um, an official shout-out from the podcast. Come on the podcast! Do you feel that kind of gross that we're like, how we're sending a congratulations to engagement <laughs> is through a podcast? No, we send a congratulations via social media before this. It's fine. Are we going to look back in 10 years the same way that we like criticized and laughed at all the things from 2009 and 500 Days of Summer? Are we going to look back at like podcasts as like such a weird fad of the late 2010s? Or like DMs. Oh, DMs. So those will live forever. All right. That's all of our shout outs. Um, if you want to reach us, Outside of just texting us or talking to us like real people. Leave us a review on iTunes. Yep. Or the Apple Podcast. Or Apple Podcast. Um, if you want to reach the show, Courtney, where can you find us? Uh, you can find us at mywifewatchesmovies at gmail.com. Right. On Twitter. Yep. We are at wife underscore watches. Note the underscore. Very good. On Instagram, we are at wife watches. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. that was our show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Watch you later. Watch you later. And remember, this is a story of boy meets girl, but you should know up front, this is not a love story.